It's time to go under the hood with the Indy Fuel. Welcome to this special bonus episode of the Indy Fuel's Under the Hood podcast. I am the broadcast voice of the Fuel, Andrew Smith. Glad you have joined us on this special edition, as we've had a lot of really great guests come through the Indiana Farmers Coliseum broadcast booth in the last couple of weeks. And that's one of the great things with all of the promotional nights that we have is that we have a number of really interesting people from both inside and outside of hockey and even outside of sports that stop by and share their thoughts with us. And we get a chance to introduce you to a lot of really interesting people. So I've got a few of those on this edition of the podcast that we will bring you. We're going to start with actor Drew Powell, who was our guest on DC Comics Night. He played in Gotham as well as Malcolm in the Middle, Curb Your Enthusiasm, and a number of movies that we'll talk about in a few minutes. Later on, you'll hear from IndyCar driver David Malukas, who also stopped by the booth on Friday night, last Friday. And later on as well, you'll hear from our Blackhawks night guest, Blackhawks forward Andrew Shaw, two-time Stanley Cup champion, and a really good conversation with him. It's always great to have the Blackhawks alumni stop by as our guests on Blackhawks night, and great to bring those conversations to you. And we'll wrap up with a rare interview with an Indy Fuel visiting player, Jackson Pearson of the Atlanta Gladiators is a native of Zionsville, was playing his first games in his hometown since he was 14 this past weekend. We had a chance to catch up with him. We'll bring you that conversation as well on this special bonus interview edition of the Under the Hood podcast. And we'll start with actor Drew Powell, who, as we mentioned, has a number of credits, most notably playing in the series Gotham, but we talked about a lot of different things. Here is that conversation with Drew Powell from DC Comics Night. Drew, great to have you here. You're a Central Indiana native. Just describe what it's like to be back in Indy and here enjoying some Indy Fuel hockey tonight. You know, it's been a, a real uh, pleasure to be back. I'm so grateful to the Fuel for bringing me back for this for many reasons, not the least of which is, you know, it's cool to see hockey again in Indianapolis. You know, I grew up with the ice back in the day and it's just so fun. This, there's so much energy around this franchise and so much fun around these games. It's just a, it's a pleasure to be uh, associated with them. And then, of course, as you said, the DC Fights Cancer Night, you know, it's um, one of the joys of my career was getting to do that job, you know, and, and I didn't even know it at the time, um, but as I've gone through the years and gotten to do Comic Cons and gotten to be a part of the comic book world and seeing how that touches everybody, but especially kids, it's just a real uh, pleasure. Um, yeah, so, so to team up uh, with the fuel in DC and, and, and raise some money for, for cancer research is just great, and for community health, um, it's really great. And just as you mentioned, raising money for cancer research. How important is it for you to give back to your community, whether it's home in L.A. now or back here in Indy? You know, it's 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 when you get privileged enough to get to do this thing, and this is my dream job. It's all I've ever wanted to do. You know, the perks of that are to be able to kind of you get a little bit of a of a podium, you get a little bit of a spotlight, and to help shine that uh, on other folks. I, I just uh, you know I, I've been doing press all day, and I got home and I was taking a nap, and I got this message, uh, and it's from uh, uh, the son of a of a 
a family friend. His name is Nate, and he's got bone cancer, and he's you know he's a you know, he's not not an, an adult. He's a kid, and he sent me this. I had sent him a video, you know, of maybe last year sometime, and he sent me a video back. And said, "Hey, Butch," because you know, of course I'll always be Butch, my character on Gotham. I said, "Hey, Butch, you know, uh, yeah, thanks so much. I'm feeling better. I'm on my last day of chemo," and uh, he had this smile on his face. And so, like to me, that's that's what it's about. You know, that's what it's all about. And that just that made my day. And the fact that I heard from him today seems uh, pretty symbiotic. So, um, uh, I, I, congrats, Nate. Keep fighting, and all the rest of you guys out there that are listening. Well, as fighting. the as the spouse of a cancer survivor, this is always a really special night for us, and yeah. it's great to see the research that we get to see more people. And Eddie Olchek sat in this chair a couple of years ago and said, I wanted to be hockey beats cancer night, yeah, not hockey fights cancer yeah. night because of that. But absolutely your, your role in Gotham, you got to play a mob boss. How much fun was that role to play? <laughs> it was so fun. And you know, I, it's funny. I, I watched a lot of the Sopranos before I, I took on that role and it was really fun to, to get to play that kind of, kind of the anti-hero because if you watch the show, Butch, there's, there's people would come up to me and they say, you know, I know Butch is a bad guy, but I still root for him. And to me, that was a real victory. And then to get to get to go from the mob boss to the you know infamous Solomon Grundy, the the you know one of the oldest you know villains in in the canon. You know, I mm-hmm. think in the forties is when he came out. Um, that that took it to another level. So I, I had fun doing both. A little uh, a little easier to get into to wardrobe and uh, makeup when I was doing Butch. Oh, I'm sure. In. <laughs> <laughs> You're a native of Lebanon and graduated DePaul University. Describe your path going from Lebanon High School through DePaul and out to, to Hollywood. How did you get an interest in acting and develop that, and how did that lead to the roles that you've had in in television and movies? Yeah, good question. You know, for me, it was you know as I look back on it, um, it was what I was destined to do. It was my calling, uh, you know, if you will. And I, I didn't know how to make it happen. I didn't know how it was going to manifest itself. So I got into college, and I was doing things like you know I, I thought, oh, maybe I'll be a broadcast journalist. So I interned at Wish TV when I was in college. I went to C-SPAN which was just as boring as you think it might be. Uh, and then I, what I realized was they were all placeholders for the thing that I really wanted to do. And, and you know, it, my, less, my, my lesson in all that was sometimes you got to make the leap. And, and for me, it was two weeks after college graduation, packing up the Honda Accord and driving west um, in a place where I had a part-time job uh, and didn't know very many people. But, um, you know, that's what I needed to do, and the rest is history. So it's been a real – I think I, I, what I will say about – to answer your question is the place that I came from, whether it was, you know, Lebanon or – or DePaul, or certainly my family, my mom and dad, brother and sister, they gave me that foundation to be able to make that leap. And so that was it was a lot easier for me uh, having that support. What was your big break? I know Malcolm in the Middle was probably your first major yep. role. And how, how did you land that? You know, there's a funny story. Uh, I'll try to make it fast. Uh, I, I was uh, auditioning to play Tough Cadet number 2. And one of the things I had to do, my first line was I was supposed to say, Commandant on the floor, 10 hut, and salute. And I actually hit myself in the eye really hard. And so I yelled uh, because it was it hurt. And uh, and I thought, well, that's it. That's I'm not going to get that job. And then the producers and writers and directors who were all in the room started laughing and they kept laughing and they you know, one of the guys fell off the end of the couch it was like 
it was one of those, I'm like, well, they're laughing either at me or with me, but I don't care as long as I get the job. And I did. And uh, the rest is history. I was able to do uh, several other episodes after that and then went to uh, play a young Haas Cartwright in a prequel to Bonanza where I met my wife, who was a makeup artist on the jo- job. And so I will always say that's my favorite job. Um, and uh, and then, yeah, that was that was the big, uh, that's where the launching point of like, okay, this is, the, we're doing the right thing. And recently you've uh, you've played in a movie about Ted Kaczynski yeah. you've you're about to uh, have a uh, a role released in a movie about the Menendez brothers as well yep and these historical pieces what is that like helping tell these stories that are really kind of dark stories in a way, but certainly fascinating ones? Yeah, it's funny. I, those dark stories can be really fun because they're, you know, they really get into the psyche of, of the human brain and how it works. And um, both of those instances uh, were, were really fascinating because they were meticulous to recreate the Ted Kaczynski cabin and all that. And same with the Menendez brothers. You know, it's a uh, Ryan Murphy Netflix. Uh, it's actually a series. It's going to be nine part series. And, you know, they're sparing no expense. And there's some incredible uh, actors. Javier Bardem is in it. Uh, Chloe Sevigny. Uh, and and that, but what's what's cool about that is then I get to do a movie like the one that's coming out February 23rd to theaters everywhere with Hilary Swank and Alan Richardson called Ordinary Angels. And that's a true story about a family in Louisville, Kentucky, and how this woman that didn't even know him, a, you know, an alcoholic hairdresser, you know, a divorcee, uh, helped this family to eliminate hundreds of thousand dollars of medical debt and then help get them a plane so they could get to this the, the, the little girl needed a transplant a liver transplant so the whole city came together uh, I play a preacher in that one a real guy by the name of Dave Stone and my dad who's also a minister I look just like him because it's set in the 90s so I got the mustache and the Ned Flanders glasses so uh, I definitely got my, my dad going on there but that is such a heartwarming story and I hope people go out and see it because it's uh, bring a tissue box because uh, it really is touching and especially if you're a parent, uh, you know, kind of what we're talking about with the, with the, the DC Comics and Hockey Fights Cancer. You know, those are the ones I really think about are the kids and the parents of these kids and, and how helpless it can be and how much it, when somebody lends a hand in those moments, you know, um, how much that means. In your job, you get an opportunity to tell stories and brighten people's days. How special is that for you to do this for a career? Oh man, that's what it's all about. You know, there's a lot of part, a lot of, a lot of this business that's all about me thinking about me and, you know, how do I get this job and how do I maximize this opportunity? And it's really great when I can not think about me and think about somebody else and, and the, the joy. I look, I don't, I don't uh, claim to, to earn it by any stretch of the imagination, but the fact is, is that, you know, people, uh, they put a spotlight on you and, uh, you have a choice. How are you going to reflect that light? And um, for me, it's just an absolute joy when I get to... My favorite things are Comic-Cons when you get a... Uh, say a, a child comes up that maybe is, is very shy or maybe, you know, somewhere on the spectrum and, and they don't really talk. And then once you get them talking about Grundy or you get them talking about Gotham, they light up. And I'll always think about their parents' faces. Every time I look behind them and the parents' faces of just this smile of, like, seeing their child so happy and so engaged. Um, that's it, man. That's what it's about. It's such an extra bonus that I didn't even know was going to be a part of this job, um, but I'm so grateful for it. Anything else you have coming up that's in the works that you want to tell us about? 
Yeah, well, the the Menendez Monsters uh, should be out in the fall. Um, I'm on Curb Your Enthusiasm, which is doing its final season uh, uh, this year. They just uh, premiered uh, last week. I'm on episode that was on that episode and episode five, which was a trip playing with Larry David and Tracy Ullman, and that that and no script by the way, which was a real trip. Um, and then uh, this Ordinary Angels, and then next year, this time next year, another one of my favorite things I've ever done is called Unbreakable Boy, and it'll be released in theaters by Lionsgate, and it's another true story about about parents and kids and um and it's just and i i uh i'm really excited for people to see that one well drew powell thank you so much for joining us enjoy the rest of the evening thank you so much man it's been a real pleasure that's our conversation with drew powell our next guest also from last friday night is indy car driver david malukas he is a member of the Arrow McLaren team, beginning his first season with them, and it came out over the weekend that he was injured in a biking accident that was sustained after we talked over the weekend, and he should be back in time for the Indy 500, certainly, but he is beginning his first season with the Aero McLaren team after having a really good start to his IndyCar career with Dale Coyne Racing, and also a Chicago native and a Blackhawks fan. So here's our chat with IndyCar driver, David Malukas. Just describe how much fun you've been having tonight. It looks like you've been having a great time out here. Yeah, I've been having a blast. I mean, uh, the crew's done a really good job. We've done a lot of fun things. We even rode a tricycle with my, my Constance team. We kind of did a little bit of a race. So, you know, we've been having a good time. The game's been amazing. Um, every time we've gone out onto the uh, onto the glass, there's just been action happening. So I've really been getting uh, getting a feel for Indy here, and I've been loving it. And uh, you're a native of Chicago. Blackhawks fan growing up? Yes, of course. I mean, how could you not be? Chicago, uh, yeah, I mean, growing up as a kid, I had it all the time. And those ice cream sundaes. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, just describe what the offseason has been like. You've uh, changed teams going from Dale Coyne Racing uh, over to Team McLaren. A lot of uh, great resources, a great team with McLaren. Just describe what the offseason's been like and how excited you are to get to get going at St. Pete here in a few weeks. The offseason's been great. I mean, I get to do events like this. Absolutely. You know, do a good job. Uh, but no, I've just been getting connected with the crew. We've been doing a, a really good job. Uh, you know, as soon as you come in, you know, you think, it's a big change going from Dale Coyne to, to Arrow McLaren, but everybody's treated me like family. A lot of people, that's the hardest thing, is just trying to remember everybody's names. You know, that's kind of been my number one challenge so far, but chemistry's already building and we're having a blast, and uh, it's going to be a good season. Livery's just got released too, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to get the season going. Well, uh, year three for you in IndyCar, you've got a couple of podium finishes. Your your runs on the ovals have been really, really good uh, through the first couple of years. Is that something you grew up doing? Was a lot of oval racing, or is that something you really have taken to since you've come to IndyCar? It's you know, it's actually the the opposite. You know, growing up, I never really had interest in ovals and never really went towards it. You know, for me, it was it was mainly on the side of uh, being in Europe and over there. I mean, they didn't really have any ovals, right. so it was when I came to actually Indy next was when I had my first introduction to, to ovals of success on it, right? And going into it is kind of when I started to fall in love. Initially, obviously, very intimidating. You know, it's you're going at high speeds and really drifting a car going 200 miles an hour. It takes some time to get used to, but I fell in love with it, and uh, I think we're going to do really well with Aaron McLaren. They have a very good oval car, short ovals and super speedways, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's gonna, those are kind of gonna be the highlights for sure. And having a guy like Tony Kanan around, uh, to, to just lean on for advice, how nice is it to have somebody like that as part of the team and somebody who's won the Indy 500, who's been around as long as he has, been a series champion and can be a, can be a mentor? 
CK is by far the nicest person you'll ever meet. He is so kind on and off track. Well, on track, maybe not. He's a little <laughs> bit aggressive on track, but I mean, no, he's, he's amazing. He's helped me throughout all of it. I mean, he was with the process for me, even on the signing, you know, like he was there. He was in the meetings and uh, throughout all of it, he's the one that's been my, my main help. And he, he knows from his side, you know, the change going from, from my previous team to Aaron McLaren. He knows how it, how it all works and he's kind of been my main source of how I'm to, how to, to use all the resources that McLaren give me to the best of my ability, right? You know, to maximize potential and, uh, and, you know, try to get everything so that by the time the season starts, I'm comfortable and I know where to go from there. Well, you're part of this kind of new wave of IndyCar drivers and just describe coming into the series a couple of years ago, just how deep and strong this field is week in and week out. It seems like any one of 20 guys can win a race. Yeah, it's, and it's, and it's pretty cool because it's, it's, like you said, it's a new generation coming in and all, all these drivers, I mean, Lungard, Kirkwood, Callum, DeFrancesco, these are all names I've known since I was, you know, learning how to speak English as a kid, you know, like from go-karting. We, we all grew up together and we've been racing with each other. It's been the same competition and it's really cool in that sense to see us all kind of make it now here into the NTT IndyCar series, uh, in our own ways, in our own paths. So it's very cool how we all separated and all came back together. It's, uh, it's very cool just to, to kind of talk about that and, and yeah, it's nice. And, and as well, racing against some of the veterans in the series, the Scott Dixons, the Simon Paginos, the Joseph Newgardens. I know he's a guy you grew up, uh, looking up to and, uh, and racing almost for your first win a couple of years ago at Gateway, but, uh, what is it what is it like to race against kind of the crafty veterans who have been around and have a trick or two up their sleeves it's it's an experience you know like you said that's i think this special thing about indycar is uh we have this younger generation coming in but we're in that that kind of gap where the older generation is still there and this older generation i mean it's i grew up watching them on tv they're the ones that got me into racing you know i was on my little hoverboard as a kid just running around pretending that i was racing with them and now in real life i am going side by side with them and you know the charge against the penn skis at gateway trying to get new garden uh it, it was very special to me and i think at, at the start maybe like the first year i was still a little bit like starstruck couldn't really believe it. you know you got dixon coming by power these big names and you know you kind of have to get used to, to being there and I'm not gonna lie, I struggled a little bit. You know, in the beginning, I was like, "Oh my god, like this is full power. How do I have like just a normal conversation? Like, uh, hey, how's the salad? You know, like I can't do that." Uh, but now, you know, I've gotten used to it, and now I feel like I'm a part of the IndyCar family uh, and all the drivers. And now we all have a good time, and it feels good. Now I feel very involved. And as you come into obviously year three for you, but also the third month of May, the Indy 500 is a completely different animal. It's three weeks. You have the road course race to to start off with, and then you're going 230 miles an hour around the oval in traffic for three hours. Describe what that was like going from year one where you had a really good performance finishing 16th to last year, and now how comfortable you are in year three, especially with a team that has had a lot of success at Indy running up front. Yeah, it's, it feels very special. You know, the way I'd explain the series is, you know, you have the IndyCar Championship and then you have the 500. I mean, the 500, it's its own car, it's its own deal. So much investment just in the single race. I mean, it's, it's, it's so big. And I think from a driver's standpoint too, if you ask any driver, I mean, it's like 500 championships. I'm go, well, 500 is kind of where I want to be. Uh, so, and, and looking at from the Aero McLaren side, I mean, that team's been so dominant. They have an incredible car. They're always there when it really needs to be. So, and the strategy is always on top. So I'm very excited to see how the 500 is going to come, come along this year. I think we're going to be challenging for the front spots for sure. Maybe some dreams come true. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Yeah, what's been your favorite track to race on so far? 
I honestly, for me, you know, coming from a Chicago, I grew up in uh, actually watching my dad drive at Road America. So for me, Road America is going to have to be my go-to. Just feels like a home track to me. But then again, pretty close by, little drive south, and we have Gateway. And Gateway for me has just been an absolute joy. I mean, the the whole facility, I just feel like it's like magic when you walk in there. I love it. Uh, I have such a good time. Always smiling around, having to just because that's kind of you know the important thing at the end of the day. You want to have fun. And uh, yeah, and the performance is always. I'm not gonna lie, the performances at Gateway help with my my joy (laughs) from the race. For sure. Well, David Malukas, thank you so much for joining us here in the second intermission, and good luck to you this season. We'll see you. uh, We'll see you around the the Motor Speedway in the month of May. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, Want to thank David Malukas for joining us. Earlier, we had a visit from two-time Stanley Cup champion Andrew Shaw, who is a critical part of the Blackhawks 2013 and 2015 teams. Drafted as an overager, worked his way up through the minor leagues, through the Rockford Ice Hogs, up to Chicago, and was very quickly contributing to some really, really outstanding hockey teams. And so here's our Blackhawks night conversation with our guest, Andrew Shaw. Obviously, it's a great night to celebrate our 10 years of affiliation with the Chicago Blackhawks, but how have you enjoyed yourself this evening here at Indy? I have. It's been an exciting game, you know, a nice fight. Uh, looks like they're on their way to a comeback, and this building is loud and erupt uh, after that first goal. You can tell the fans are into it. The support this city uh, that gives this team is unbelievable to see. Well, you... That scrap at the end of the first period, you were in a few of those during your career. You enjoy seeing it from afar rather than uh, being in the middle of it? I don't know. It, it got me fired up. I kind of wanted to jump on the ice and uh, and try it out again myself. You know, I was always a scrappy player, so when I see other guys playing like that, I know how hard it is to do that, you know, night in, night out. So there's always a, a lot of respect for me. I say, especially, I think fans maybe don't understand as much when you play the way you did. A lot of what you're doing is not just standing up for yourself, but taking hits, taking blows to stand up for your teammates as well. It really takes a special person to be able to do that. Yeah, it does. Uh, I don't know. I I kind of found a good niche for it there, and I, I realized if I wanted to stay in the NHL, I needed to perfect that part of my game. And you know, I was the kind of guy I liked to go to the dirty areas, going into the corner to get the puck or, or going to the net to create havoc. And if you're going to go to those areas, you're going to get bumped around and you know cause injuries. And you got, sometimes you just got to play through them, and you know, you find that will to uh, to push yourself. Well, when you played as well, it's a um, you were somebody who essentially was drafted as an overager, and then in the National Hockey League at the end of that first season. Just describe your journey, and I think you're the type of guy fans like because of the fact that you really had to work hard for everything you you got and the opportunity you got to work your way to the National Hockey League so early in your career. Yeah, well, I always give a lot of credit to my mom and dad uh, and my siblings as well. I grew up with two brothers and a sister, and my parents worked extremely hard to make sure their kids had fun as kids, you know, played sports. Hockey's an expensive sport, and they had two kids playing it, and my dad would work a lot of overtime hours, and as my mom as well, just just to pay for registration and equipment. And uh, I had the feeling I needed to give back to my parents and and push myself as far as I could. My brothers did as well, and I just think that was ingrained into us at a, a young age. Hard work, watching our parents do it night in, night out, and I pushed it into hockey. And you know, I, I'm not scared to work hard, so I was okay going out there every night, giving everything I had, even though some nights is harder than others, but. You, you know, you got to find a way, and 
uh, I just kept pushing. You know, I was 19 when I got drafted to the NHL, and I said, all right, if I ever get an opportunity, I'm going to make sure no one forgets my, my first opportunity. And I got that chance to play my first NHL game in Philly. I got in a fight in my second shift, and I scored a goal on my first NHL shot. And I had mom and dad and my family there to, you know, to take that moment in. It was very special for my family. And it was uh, a feeling I'll never forget. I say I was about to mention and it wasn't just a fight; it was a fight against Zach Ronaldo, who's not exactly a uh, a lightweight. <laughs> Welcome to the NHL, right? Yeah, I fought him once in junior, but then he looked at me off the face off, and I knew he wanted to go. So I was like, "Yeah, why not get this one out of the way?" And he ended up catching me with a good punch. I had 14 stitches in my forehead. It's uh, another memorable uh, yeah. scar I have on my face uh, for my first game. Well, you had an opportunity to be part of two Stanley Cup championship teams, and I know played through a lot of injuries, and I think got stitched up the night of the first Stanley Cup championship in, in Boston. But just describe what that was like to go through that together with your teammates, and then to do it again two years later. Unbelievable. I mean, we're, I was a Canadian kid. I grew up playing road hockey or pond hockey and we were always dreaming, you know, that game seven overtime Stanley Cup and hoisting it in front of your friends and family with your teammates by your side. And for that moment to come true at the age of 21 and again at 23, you know, you, you look at all these amazing veterans who go through and play 18, 15, 20 years in the NHL and sometimes not even get that opportunity to play in the finals. So, I, I had some older guys on the team that said, make sure you cherish this. This doesn't come around too often. But we were lucky it came around often for us uh, in the Black organization as we had an amazing team, staff, coaching. Uh, it was just a good group. We came together, and we found a way to win. Well, there's nothing like scoring an overtime goal in a Stanley Cup playoff game. You do so in the final in one of the longest games in Stanley Cup final history. Just describe what that was like, especially the grind of that game one against Boston, and then for you to have the opportunity to finish it off with that double deflection. Yeah, I think it was almost around midnight, and yeah. I know everyone was exhausted. I was exhausted. I couldn't, I couldn't even uh, understand how tired some of our top players would have been playing. I think Duncan Keith was close to 60 minutes or something. And just, I don't care who scored the goal. We were glad it went in. So the game was over, we'd go get some rest. But it was an unbelievable moment. And again, sharing that with friends and family and teammates uh, is special. Well, you got a chance to spend your career really in two legendary original six cities in Chicago. And then the last couple of years in Montreal before you came back to the Blackhawks to finish your career. Describe what it's like to play in front of such great fan bases in such legendary hockey cities. I was very fortunate to play for two of the best organizations in the NHL and two of the best fan bases as well. You know, when they're cheering for you, and it's not just the people in the building. It's the entire city, the community around you that you can just feel the love. You can feel the passion, you know. Uh, so you got to make sure you're playing good at all times because... They're passionate, so they're going to let you know if you're not playing good. But I fed off that. A lot of our teammates fed off that. And when you get the crowd going, it gives you that extra energy, that extra little boost to push yourself if you're hurt or tired or exhausted to, to go that extra mile. What have you been doing since you hung up the skates the last couple of years? Well, now I'm at the bottom of the totem pole. I live at home with, you know, uh, two kids and a wife and a bunch of dogs and... All I do is take care of them. You know, I'm a stay-at-home dad now. I, I cook, I clean, laundry. You know, I, I have a rink shoveled off for the kids because I like getting them out there and, ex and letting them experience a little bit of how I grew up, you know, playing road hockey and pond hockey. So right now I'm just enjoying my life with my kids, watching them grow, 
making sure they grow up to good, be good people, good kids. Um, it, it's just... It's a hard job. I have a lot of respect for all the moms out there. Well, there is no greater joy than parenthood. But, Andrew Shaw, thank you so much for joining us here in the intermission. Enjoy the rest of the evening. All right. Thanks, Andrew, for having me. Thank you. It's Chicago Blackhawk. Our final guest is the rare opponent of the Indy Fuel that we bring on to the broadcast. And that's because he's a native of central Indiana. Jackson Pearson grew up playing at the Carmel Ice Stadium and the Fuel Tank in Fishers. He's a native of Zionsville, played his high school hockey at Culver up in northern Indiana, and then later went on to the University of New Hampshire and played his final collegiate year last season at Notre Dame before signing with Fort Wayne to start his pro career last spring and then signing with the Atlanta Gladiators this past offseason is having a really good rookie year for them, playing on their top line, one of their top power play guys, one of their top penalty killers as well. And so it's always great to see Central Indiana natives making their mark in pro hockey, even if they're on the opposing side, lining up against the Indy Fuel. Here's our conversation with Atlanta Gladiators forward Jackson Pearson. Jackson, a native of Zionsville, Indiana, and in your rookie pro season with Atlanta. and Just describe how your first year has gone so far and 10 goals so far on the year, but um, acclimating to the pro game. Yeah, it's been good so far. Um, would hope for a little more team success, but all in all, it's been, it's been good. We have a really good group. The guys are really tight, so it's been a lot of fun. So you had a little cup of coffee with Fort Wayne last year after finishing your college career at Notre Dame. But how much did that just help you as far as just getting used to the pro game and showing you what you needed to work on for the summer? Yeah, I think just seeing what guys are doing day in and day out and um, kind of just understanding what what the professional life is like compared to college was big for me going into this year. Grew up in Zionsville. How did you get into playing hockey and uh, how did you grow up uh, in this sport? Um, Started just went to a learn to skate. Mm -hmm. Uh, My parents dropped me off and then my cousin Todd played played locally around Indy so I kind of just followed his footsteps. So did you play minor hockey over at Carmel or the yeah, uh, Carmel and then over in Fishers so, over here yeah so you know, familiar territory yeah how special has it been for you to come back and play these couple of games at home I know the results haven't been what you wanted so far but uh, how special has it been to play in front of your family and friends yeah it's been a ton of fun um, I haven't played in Indianapolis since I was like 12 or 13 so um, it's been nice to have a lot of friends a lot of family come and see me and to be able to spend some time with them too it's been great Get a chance to go home a little bit over the weekend or? yeah yeah I went home a couple times a couple home cooked meals it's been good so okay what's your what's your favorite meal at uh that, that that your mom fixes that you were able to eat this week uh probably just meat and potatoes honestly whatever <laughs> she makes is normally more than more than great for me so that's great so uh, you went up to culver to play high school hockey i think a lot of people in the hockey world know how good of a program that is but how did that really help set things up for you to be able to to play in college yeah i think um more than hockey just how they develop you as a person and how you treat other people and things like that is just what the school is all about um i think you learn a lot about being an individual and as well as being able to work with other people no matter where you are something that they do a really good job of and then going from there you to unh your four years at unh here at notre dame uh, just describe what your college career was like it was a lot of fun um my time at unh was great I had some of my best friends in the world from there and uh had some great memories, some good teams. We had a lot of fun, and then being able to come back to Indiana and play at Notre Dame was really fun. Just to be closer to family, closer to home, and that's also a really special place. So, 
very privileged to be able to play at both those places. Yes, and getting the opportunity to use that COVID year to, to, to go to Notre Dame and um, and you mentioned just the opportunity to play in your home state as well. You're a couple hours away from home. The only college hockey program in this state of Division One. How special was that for you? Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Um, just first time seeing that gold helmet and mm-hmm. being able to play in front of their their fans and um, and family and my friends coming up. It was a dream come true. So, what's been uh, your favorite moments, either from college, from uh, from high school, or, or the pros so far? Your favorite moment in the hockey rink? Um, I don't know if I can pick just one. There's so many good ones that be unfair to choose one in one place and not in the other, but um, I think both senior nights at New Hampshire, Culver, and at Notre Dame were all really special for me, just having family in, in the stands and um, being able to spend some time with them on that weekend was, was awesome. Uh, so what are your goals here for, for the rest of the year? Um, win as many games as possible. Yeah. 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 And looking as well, you're obviously here in the league, Sam Ruffin as well, from Westfield. And how special is it to see other guys from Indiana playing professionally and what kind of an example do you think that sets for the young kids watching that may be playing for the Junior Fuel organization now playing minor hockey around central Indiana that you can be an example for them yeah um, I hope there's a lot more players that come out of Indianapolis it's a great city great town um, obviously Sammy and I have played together mm-hmm. we went to Culver together for a few years um, yeah it's hopefully there's there's more coming and uh, we can grow it a little bit around here so what would you say to the the young kids who are listening who are uh, growing up playing hockey here um, I just say learn as much as you can be a sponge um, have a blast it's you never know when it's going to end, so just enjoy every time you get to step out there. And Jackson, thank you so much, and good luck to you tonight and the rest of the season. Thank you. I want to thank Jackson Pearson as well as Andrew Shaw, Drew Powell, and David Malukas for stopping by the broadcast booth and giving us their thoughts as they visit the Indiana Farmers Coliseum. I want to thank you for listening as well. Again, lots of Indy Fuel contests coming up. February 23rd and 24th, the Wichita Thunder are in town. On the 27th, it's a morning game against the Cincinnati Cyclones at 1030. And then on March 1st, we'll be celebrating International Women's Month as the Fuel take on the Iowa Heartlanders. The games on the 23rd, 24th, and the 1st all begin at 7 o'clock. You can get your tickets at Ticketmaster.com or the Indiana Farmers Coliseum box office. You can also check out IndieFuelHockey.com for all of your group ticket information and also anything you might want to know about tickets to any of the 12 remaining Indy Fuel home games for the 2023-24 season and season tickets for 2024-25 when we drop the puck at our new playpen, the Fishers Event Center. Also, you can get information about combining your Indy Fuel season tickets with tickets to the Fishers Freight Indoor Football League team that will kick off in March 2025 as well. Until next time, I am Andrew Smith. Thanks for joining us on this special bonus episode of Under the Hood. We'll see you at the rink. Thanks for going Under the Hood with the Indy Fuel. For more... Keep visiting IndieFuelHockey.com.